Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Thursdays. And if you happen to be watching in Las Vegas... I'm excited for the NFL draft to be back and to be back in normal. Do you know we haven't had a crowd at the NFL draft since 2019? It's now been three years since Nashville hosted the NFL draft. I was there in person for that event, and it has been a wild three years, but we are back to having hundreds of thousands of people that are going to be present for the NFL draft tonight. Look, I love the NFL draft. By the way, the data reflects that Trayvon Walker is actually going to be the first player taken in this draft. Let me give you the latest gambling odds. Uh, I'm looking at FanDuel.com right now. If you are somewhat interested in betting on the NFL draft, Trayvon Walker is now minus 450 to be the first overall pick. Aiden Hutchinson, uh, down uh, to five to one, uh, and uh, Aiden Hutchinson is favored to, however, be the number two overall pick. Anyway, lots of different moving parts here, and it will be interesting to see who the first quarterback to come off the board is. Uh, who are the teams that are going to make moves in quarterback uh, position in general? Uh, right now, Kenny Pickett is favored to be drafted by the Saints. Uh, Carolina Panthers right behind the Steelers next. Malik Willis favored to be drafted by the Steelers. A lot of people thinking the Steelers may take uh, the first quarterback in this year's draft. Uh, So both of those guys, interesting storylines to follow. I will be watching the draft like a lot of you. But bigger picture, I think what we are going to see from a cultural signpost perspective is this is the biggest crowd that will have been present without masks, without requiring COVID shots since COVID started back in March of 2020. And a lot of you will remember how desperate we were for the entertainment of the NFL draft. The NFL did a fabulous job of keeping their schedule going, never actually shut down a single game. But back in 2020, when we were all desperate for some form of entertainment in the world of sports. I thought the NFL did a good job sticking to their schedule and finding a way to get through the draft. It was remote, but this is back to normal. It's really going to be hard to argue against anything being anything other than 100% normal after the expected hundreds of thousands of people that are going to be present tonight at uh, at the draft. So I'm excited to watch it. Props to everybody in Las Vegas who will be going in person and congratulations to everybody who's going to get drafted. I love the draft because overnight you create a ton of multimillionaires. I'm a capitalist. I love to see people rewarded for their talents, for their work ethic. And that to me is what the draft always epitomizes and personifies. So I cannot wait for tonight. Big event. I will be watching it from Orlando, 
Uh, I, just so you know, I'm about to leave and go pick up my kids and head down to Orlando. My two youngest kids, I'm going to be going to Universal Studios. Uh, we've got a, a competition down there. And, uh, and so I'm excited to get on the road, although I will be in charge of my two youngest kids. They're not that young anymore, 11 and 7, but I will have them solo for the next five days. My wife and my oldest are going to still be back home here at the house. Uh, so fingers crossed the dad, fingers crossed, the dad is going to be able to handle everything and that I don't get taken advantage of too bad. Uh, by my two youngest boys who both know how to play dad like a fiddle. But we'll be watching it down in Orlando. I will not be doing an outkick the show tomorrow, which would ordinarily be a reaction to the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, Also, will not be on radio or TV Friday, Monday, or Tuesday uh, because I'll be down in Orlando, but I'll be right back with you guys on Wednesday here for outkick the show and for the Clay and Buck show. The first time really uh, since Christmas uh, for a uh, few days off. And really, Buck and I have hit the ground running. We're coming up on a year of the Clay and Buck show. Neither one of us has missed, I don't think, multiple days of the show. So we're going to take a few days off uh, here in the summer now. A uh, couple of other things, a bunch of different things I want to get to. Uh, but Sage Steele. Uh, Sage Steele has filed a lawsuit against ESPN alleging that they punished her for what she said on Jay Cutler's podcast in September of last year. She said a couple of different things, but the one that got the most attention, I would say, was she said she didn't agree with Disney and ESPN's COVID vaccine mandate. And I 100% agree with her. I don't think it was right that any employer out there, anywhere, was able to mandate the COVID shot. Because we've got a lot of people who got the COVID shot that are still getting and spreading COVID. In fact, it doesn't appear that getting the COVID shot does anything at all to stop the spread of COVID. It may keep you from getting as sick as you otherwise would have gotten if you are elderly and were likely to become sick if you uh, particularly ill. And again, I told my parents to get the COVID shot. I told them to get the booster. Uh, I think it's smart if certainly if you're a senior citizen over 75 years old, for sure. If you are otherwise unhealthy or have substantial health risks, all those things make sense. But the idea that we made young, healthy people get the COVID shot in order to keep their jobs is 100% wrong. So I agree with everything Sage Steele said on Jay Cutler's podcast relating to COVID. She says she was punished by ESPN for those comments. And so she is suing under, in particular, a Connecticut state law which bans the punishment of employees for sharing their opinions on things outside of work. And I think this is significant. Sage Steele should have the right to share any political opinion that she has outside of work. She didn't go on, unlike some of her coworkers at ESPN, and share political opinions like happened at ESPN during the women's NCAA tournament when on air they had employees protesting the parental rights bill in Florida. On air. Not in their private uh, life. Not on their social media accounts. To me, that is radical and revolutionary compared to what Sage Steele said. And I have advocated for this for a long time. People say, oh, you're Colin Kaepernick. Well, look, Colin Kaepernick was in uniform at work. 
If Sage Steele had started off ESPN SportsCenter by saying, hey, tonight is the NFL draft, and also I think COVID vaccine mandates make no sense whether they are being implemented by Disney, uh, my employer, or your employers out there, and now let me tell you why, then I would say, okay, you know what? I can understand why there might be a punishment levied. But if you're not in uniform at work, like Kaepernick was, you should have the right to have any opinion that you want. The difference is, in uniform at work, you don't have the right to share whatever your opinions are, and you certainly don't have the right, in my opinion, to use the existing infrastructure of ESPN to go on and make a political argument that has nothing to do necessarily with the world of sports. Now, you can argue that Sage Steele's opinion does have a lot to do with the world of sports because she's standing up against vaccine mandates, not just for ESPN, but also, in theory, for all the sports leagues, where, by the way, players, by and large, were not forced to get the COVID shot, but a lot of other team employees were. So I support Sage Steele's lawsuit. I support anyone having the right to make their own comments. And I would just point out that Disney has painted itself into a really difficult corner here in relation to her lawsuit. They supposedly default suspended her and took her away from being able to host a lot of events that she otherwise would have done. Um, And they've allowed political comments to be made on ESPN Airwaves. Remember, just last month, they interrupted the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament to criticize the parental rights bill in Florida that they falsely labeled Don't Say Gay. So if ESPN is allowing employees with no consequences to use their actual programming on-air channels to make statements about Florida's parental rights bill, this is a state bill, it's not even a national bill, how in the world can they punish Sage Steele for going on Jay Cutler's podcast out of work at the time and giving her opinion on COVID vaccine mandates. I frankly don't understand how it can lead to a punishment. So I support Sage Steele uh, in her lawsuit and in, uh, in what might be a protracted legal battle with ESPN over what has become, I think, an integral battle in the world of sports media, which is, Why are people who are super left-wing protected from any left-wing opinions that they want to share? But if you have an opinion that the other 80% or 90% of sports fans might have, you're not allowed to share it. Uh, Sage Steele is fighting that battle. Good for her. I know there are a lot of people at ESPN who are supportive of her fighting that battle. Um, Ronald Acuna, some positive news. Ronald Acuna is coming back to the Atlanta Braves. I wish you could have seen. I think he's playing tonight. He's been a Torres ACL last year in the midst of what seemed like it was going to be a really disappointing 2021 Braves season. Then the Atlanta Braves got white hot, ended up winning the national championship. I think that people in the state of Georgia who are Atlanta Braves and Georgia Bulldog fans overlapping. I know there are some of you watching and or listening to this right now who fit that criteria. You're going to be talking about 2021 as the greatest year of sports in your lives for decades to come with that double there of two different titles. Uh, But Acuna 
not able to play. The Braves rallied despite him, made some great moves down the stretch, and now he is back on the field. And I wish you could have seen my 11-year-old, if you want a good smile, my 11-year-old this morning when he found out that his favorite player, Ronald Acuna, was going to be able to return to play for the Atlanta Braves was ecstatic. And if you don't have kids, by the way, one of the best things about having kids, if you are a sports fan, is being able to see your kids relive sports. You get to see it through their eyes. And remember when you were a young sports fan, before you were jaded, before you were cynical, before life caught up with you, I'm not sure there's anything more pure than an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old pre-puberty kid who is a big sports fan. The way their eyes just light up is so much fun to watch and experience, and I am so thankful that I've gotten to do that uh, with my 11-year-old, who is a huge Ronald Acuna fan. So chop on. Lots of Braves fans excited about Acuna coming back. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Also want to share this story. Peyton Manning uh, and his wife Ashley have endowed a scholarship in the name of Demarius Thomas at Georgia Tech. Demarius Thomas, one of Peyton Manning's elite wide receivers that played with him at the Denver Broncos, uh, died unexpectedly in his 30s. Still a relatively young man. And uh, I want to give uh, a credit to Peyton Manning and Ashley Manning a lot of times, people focus on the world of sports with all the things that go wrong. And I'm guilty of this. And I think sometimes we're all guilty of this. We don't talk enough about the good things uh, that occur in the world of sports. And certainly, uh, Peyton and Ashley Manning endowing a scholarship in the name of Demarius Thomas, who uh, died at a young age in his 30s, is a fantastic move by Peyton and Ashley Manning. Uh, so thank uh, them for doing that in the memory of Demarius Thomas, who by all accounts was a fantastic guy and an incredible teammate. Um, the GDP, now some negative news. Uh, the GDP shrunk, uh, shrank by 1.4% this quarter, surprising economists by being worse than their estimates. Can we talk for a minute about how economists have been surprised by everything bad that's happened in the economy for basically the last year and a half of the Biden administration. Remember when they said that inflation wasn't going to happen, no matter how much money the government sent? And then they said, oh, inflation's going to be transitory. It'll be gone soon. And now they're acknowledging, well, it may be here for years as we hit a 40-year high sitting at 8.5%. Well, they were expecting a 1% growth in the GDP. Instead, we went negative. Negative 1.4% growth uh, in our economy in the first quarter of 2022. If you have two straight quarters of negative growth, that is a recession. It seems decently likely at this point that we are about to tip over into a recession as Joe Biden's economic policies are a disaster. Basically, everything Joe Biden has touched has turned to crap. And I don't even know at this point that I can even point to anything that Joe Biden has done since he became president that I support, which is pretty crazy to think about um, in general. All of his policies, it feels like, are failures. The border is a disaster. The murder rate continues to skyrocket. Uh, inflation is at a 40-year high. The economy has now turned negative in terms of its growth rate. All of these things, Afghanistan's withdrawal was 
one of the messiest episodes in international American relations history. Uh, you've got uh, the disaster that is right now going on with Russia deciding to invade Ukraine. All of this is absolute madness. And it's just getting worse. And it's getting worse partly because I don't know how many of you saw the video I shared of Joe Biden talking, trying to threaten Vladimir Putin earlier today. But at some point, he was trying to say the word oligarch, I believe. Uh, and he wasn't, and no, it wasn't oligarch. It was a, a different word, but he wasn't able to say it. And I'm trying to remember exactly. It was authoritarian and, uh, and he just totally failed in his ability to even read the teleprompter. And worse than that, when he paused, you could see for a moment, I shared a video of a close-up of his face. You could see in his eyes that he wasn't still there. And what I mean by that is, and it's unfortunate, but if you have had an elderly family member, maybe at Thanksgiving, maybe at Christmas, there are moments where you see them start to talk and then you recognize there's almost a panic in their eyes as they realize that they don't have full control of their mental faculties. It's an awful experience. But most families know exactly what I'm talking about. Someone elderly in your household, in your family, a friend, and you can see that panicked recognition for just a moment in their eyes where they suddenly realize that they don't really know what they are facing or what they're even attempting to do. That's what happened with Joe Biden earlier today. And I don't know what the answer is. He should have never gotten elected, should have never been put in office at the age of 78 with already deteriorating mental conditions. He wasn't on the road. He didn't have to campaign. They hit him in his basement. And frankly, at this point, what I would say for Republicans is, they just have to run out the clock on 2022 and try to keep him from implementing any more disastrous policies. And then in 23, with a theoretically Republican House and Senate, uh, there will be less of an ability for Joe Biden to take, uh, to take aim at anything in terms of having substantial domestic achievements. And we just have to hope that by not doing anything, some of the problems that the Democrats have created can be unwound. But I just look at Joe Biden, and it feels like every single time he talks, he's deteriorating to a more substantial degree. Things are getting worse, and I don't see him getting better anytime soon. Uh, speaking of not getting better anytime soon, George Orwell had a ministry of truth. If you read the Harry Potter books, and I do, like I said, I'm going to Universal Studios here soon uh, with my kids. Uh, they have a Ministry of Magic, which is a variation of the Ministry of Truth from Orwell. Joe Biden's uh, Department of Health and Human Services, DHS, they are now going to put uh, in a new policy, a czar of disinformation. And this woman's name is Nina Jankowitz. And I just shared a video of Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio questioning Secretary Mayorkas about whether he was aware that the new head of disinformation in the Biden White House is actually guilty, go figure, of sharing two huge pieces of 
disinformation on her social media platforms and arguing in favor of them. What were they? This is not going to surprise you. She said that the Hunter Biden laptop was disinformation. It, of course, is 100% real. Even the New York Times and the Washington Post have confirmed this now, 18 months after the uh, initial written article in October of 2020 by the New York Post. She said it was disinformation. She shared actual disinformation. 51 different people in the intelligence community who signed on to a letter saying the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. They all lied. They all spread falsehood. There were no consequences for it. She also said that the Steele dossier was real. So two massive stories, the Steele dossier, of course, all these false allegations about Donald Trump and Russia that have since been proven to be completely false. She fed the Russia hoax. She allowed it to grow. And now she is in charge of disinformation in our United States government. The person who was not able to even recognize two of the biggest pieces of disinformation that have allowed to propagate in the United States in the past five or six years. It's an embarrassment. Uh, To say nothing of how Orwellian and scary it is to have an official government uh, agency and employees in charge of telling us what the truth is. We're across the Rubicon, boys and girls. This is not getting better. Fauci, speaking of crossing the Rubicon, of stupidity, uh, Fauci on Tuesday came out and told PBS, we are outside of the pandemic. The pandemic is over. On Wednesday, he then flip-flopped and said, the pandemic is not actually over. But what I think should be asked of Fauci as he continues to take both sides of every single issue, it's an embarrassment for anyone who cares about actual science. What I don't think has gotten enough attention, the Fauci flip-flop was bad. But larger context here, Fauci is not willing to go to the White House Correspondents' Dinner in D.C. this weekend. Okay, maybe you don't want to go. That's fine, because you don't think it makes sense. Trump didn't go for several years. Uh, But the White House Correspondents' Dinner is a huge collection of people in a ballroom. Fauci has been shot up twice with the COVID shot, and gotten two boosters. So he's gotten four different COVID shots, and he's still not willing to go to a dinner in a ballroom in Washington, D.C. If he's not willing to go to a dinner in a ballroom in Washington, D.C. after four COVID shots, isn't that perfect evidence that the COVID shots are not really effective at all? And how is... Fauci not being asked about this. You've gotten four COVID shots, yet you aren't comfortable with the risk of going to a dinner in a ballroom. When are you going to be comfortable going to a dinner in a ballroom? Why aren't you comfortable going to a dinner in a ballroom? What is Fauci deciding to do? And how outside of the mainstream is his risk analysis when you consider that tonight there are going to be hundreds of thousands of people present in the streets of Las Vegas for the NFL draft. Those are real questions that should be asked. And by the way, Brett Bayer of Fox News absolutely slapped around Mayor Pete earlier in an interview 
because Mayor Pete said, uh, yeah, I'm going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And Brett Bayer asked a very valid question. He said, well, why would you be going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner if you're simultaneously arguing that it's not safe for people to fly on airplanes without masks? And Mayor Pete said, well, I think people know there's a difference between a ballroom and an airplane. And of course there is. The airplane air is far safer than the air that is in the ballroom. So you, Mayor Pete, are actually making the riskier choice by deciding to go uh, to this event uh, in the White House Correspondents' Dinner while simultaneously arguing that people like me don't deserve the right to make a choice about whether or not I and my kids wear masks on an airplane. And by the way, the airplane flight that we're about to hop on here in about an hour and a half, we're not wearing masks on it. And I would say the same for everybody out there. Masks don't work. It makes no sense to be wearing them. Finally, all this virtue signaling drives me crazy. The Canadian Hockey League, the CHL, Canadian Hockey League, has made the decision that they are not going to allow any Russian players to be drafted this July, I believe it is, in their draft. The NHL, the NFL draft is going on tonight. The Canadian Hockey League is virtue signaling by not allowing Russians to be drafted. Now, I'm not an expert on hockey. A lot of you know more about hockey than me. But my understanding of the Canadian Hockey League is a lot of young players come there and develop and then go on to play in the NHL. So what the Canadian Hockey League is saying is, if you're 16, 17, 18 years old and you happen to be born in Russia, we are going to hold you accountable for the decisions of the country in which you were born for their political decisions, even though you are a young kid and have basically no control over the choices that adults in your country are making. This is an example of an awful decision. Just an awful decision. The same way that Wimbledon not allowing individual Russian tennis players to play, penalizing individual athletes because of the country that they happen to be from is just flat out wrong. And the Canadian Hockey League should be embarrassed. There should be more people in sports media talking and speaking out about how ridiculous this all is. Enjoy the NFL draft tonight. I hope all of you have fantastic Thursdays. I'm headed to the airport and flying down to Orlando. Pray for dad to be able to handle the 7 and 11-year-olds for the next five days all by himself. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. Go give us five stars. I appreciate all of you subscribing. We're at 200,000 subscribers, I think, on YouTube now. Hundreds of thousands, millions of downloads every week, plus all of you watching live. I appreciate you. Hope you enjoy the draft. God bless Las Vegas. Love you guys. Getting back. Biggest crowd since covid 2019. See if you can outdo Nashville. This has been Outkick, the show.